Welcome to the busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and used with his permission. If you have ever enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to comment on this episode or the podcast in general. To leave a comment, click on the link in the show notes. You can now share the Book of Mormon with non-member friends right from the Gospel Library. Open the Gospel Library and tap on the Scripture Collection. At the top, you will see the Book of Mormon banner. Tap on the banner and a QR code will appear for your friend to scan. Now isn't that cool? My guest today is Tate Hertzler, who recently returned from his mission. From time to time, I enjoy interviewing returned missionaries and hearing how serving Heavenly Father for two years has changed them, and learning of their goals for the future, and of course, how they study the scriptures. Now, here is Tate. Well, Tate, welcome. How are you doing? Fantastic. Good. Well, I'm glad you could join us, and uh, as full disclosure to the audience, you are my grandson, and you just returned from a mission, which we'll be talking about. But during your high school years, um, you were involved in a science project. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, it was a science fair project that I uh, did with my friend for a welding class that we took. We were required to do it, and uh, it was interesting because we, we were interested in it, and we felt really good about what we did. But then our teacher kind of brushed it off and didn't really take a look at it, didn't really pay much attention to it. And so we were a little frustrated by that. So we like put it in the back burner for a couple of years. And then uh, when we decided to do the um, self-reliance course, the uh, starting and grow your business, uh, we realized that we needed to do something. So we were like, oh, we remember this project that we did. We we're like, well, let's try and do something with that. So we went to see if there was any competitions in, in Utah that we could maybe enter in just to kind of see what we could do with it. And we entered into the competition and ended up being one of the finalists. And, and uh, in the end, it ended up taking first place. It was a big shock to us, but we had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and you got some money out of that, too. Yeah, that's true. We, we won the, the $7,500 top prize and then the uh, $5,000 patent award as well. So that was, it was a lot of fun. So now it has been patented? Um, it hasn't been patented yet. It was just to work with uh, on a pro bono basis with a intellectual property law firm um, oh. to, to get that process started. So, okay. yeah. And and what exactly did it do? So it was a, it was a welding hood that uh, – it was a technology that went with welding hoods to prevent people from getting arc flash because um, that was something that I had experienced in high school. And so we came up with that idea, and uh, it, it just allows for um, the power to go through the machinery when the, when the hood is down, when it's covered. Um, so that way when the hood is up, there's no chance of people getting arc flash, which is just one of the most common welding injuries. So, yeah. Okay. Now I, I didn't know you took welding in high school. Yeah, it was, it was just a mechanics class, but most of the class was, uh, was all about welding and we just ah. did that most every day. <laughs> okay. So if I need a welder, I know where to turn to now. Oh, it's been a few years, but I could definitely try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think who had a project. Maybe it was... Was it you or was it my well, another grandson, Sebastian? Anyway, they had to build a, a box and, and weld the corners and, <laughs> and the bottom, and then uh, you pour water in it, and they would see if it leaked. <laughs> oh, yeah, see if the weld was good. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, it, it leaked. 
<laughs> so they, oh, dang so, it. So, so they had to do it again. Well, <laughs> now you also, uh, you're doing what several other people are doing here in Utah, and that is not only are you getting through high school, but you're getting through two years of college at the same time. Yeah, that was uh, definitely a, a difficult process, but glad I was able to do that before I went on the mission. <laughs> yeah, and so now, uh, are you registered at one of the universities now? Yeah, so I did a year after that as well, and then um, since I just got back, I, I'm, I'll be starting this semester, which is just next Monday. So Okay, and where are you going to go? Uh, still at UVU, because that was where I, I did the, the uh, associates program, but um, they have a good business program as well, so I'll be studying international business with an emphasis in Spanish. Oh, okay, and so you only have one year left? I've got about three semesters, I think, if, I, if I'm if i doing oh, okay. it at this pace. Okay, three. And so how many units are you taking? Um, I'm taking uh, 19 credits right whoa, now. Whoa, whoa. Uh, <laughs> so kind of a lot. But. <laughs> I, I think one time I took 18 units and it nearly killed me. Oh, yeah, very difficult. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So you're going to be majoring in international law. And what do you plan on doing after you get all of that? So, uh, I mean, the dream, like the end goal is to either help or to run my own humanitarian organization. Oh. So kind of doing something like that where we can help out in other countries, help people, you know, become self-sufficient in, in places where, you know, they don't really have those resources. Oh, okay. Now, I think I said universe, uh, uh, law, but it's actually business. Right. So, yeah. So humanitarian. Hmm. G- give me an example of what that would be. Yeah, like, uh, for example, like there, there are a couple of organizations kind of like this that, like, they will go into uh, – a city or a part of a country and they'll work with the government to um, set up to help them learn how to build homes, how to, you know, do plumbing, how to do some, you know, some basic things to in these third world countries where they don't have any of those resources and, you know, learn how to make, uh, you know, a clean water, things like that, just so that people can, you know, know how to work and know how to, how to sustain themselves rather than, you know, living in really poor conditions. Now, how does an organization like that make money? Well, um, I mean, most of them are nonprofit organizations. I, I don't know of, of any of that that are, but at least just the ones off the top of my head. But they, uh, yeah, get it from donations or from uh, you know government funding as well. Sometimes they'll get uh, uh, funds donated that way. But yeah, most of the time it's through investment and uh, and from donation. So, as a head of that type of organization, you're going to be spending a lot of time finding money. Right, right, right. It'd be a lot of uh, I guess communicating with other. Uh, or I guess education, things like that, just yeah. connecting with people to help them see what we're doing. Yeah, because from my experience, that's a full-time job. Right, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Well, great. So you're back from your mission. Now let's talk about your mission. You served in the Chicago area. Exactly where was it? So it was the Illinois-Chicago mission, and uh, the mission had been merged from the West mission and the just the Chicago mission to just – what is referred to as the Illinois Chicago mission. So that covers from uh, out in Rockford, which is about two hours um, northwest, sorry, north, yeah, northwest of, of, the, of downtown Chicago. And then it goes all the way to uh, Valparaiso, Indiana, which is just, the, just a little piece of Indiana there. And then um, the most south part is uh, like Joliet area. So mostly just like northern Illinois. And uh, it was a Spanish speaking. Now, in that kind of, situation where you're not really in the country where they use the language how often did you use your spanish well luckily chicago is a very diverse area so uh, even throughout the suburbs there are quite a few hispanics they it's grown a lot over the years and so there there are quite a few towns that have a lot of of hispanics there so 
I, I was able to stay in Spanish areas my entire mission. And, uh, luckily all of the teaching that I was, well, most all of the teaching that I was doing was in Spanish. So sometimes the, the, the kids of the, of the families that we taught were, you know, learning English or preferred to speak English. But most of the time our teaching was in Spanish. Okay. And the problem with learning a language on a mission is you learn the gospel language quite well. But, uh, but things like uh, political terms and um, business terms you're not familiar with. And so there's a, a learning curve on that um, because um, there's actually organizations actually like the FBI and the C, C, uh, CIA, or CA, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. C, CIA um, that um, really try to bring in missionaries that have been, served in a, a foreign mission. But uh, the problem they have, I, I attended BYU Education Week a few years ago where um, uh, a gentleman who helps run this within BYU, uh, he was kind of a hired to do it, but he says that as he tests the missionaries, they're, they're great with uh, the gospel language, but the minute they have to, you know, start talking as most of them do, uh, you know, the normal citizens, that uh, they have problems with the language because they don't haven't haven't had that terminology uh they don't right. they don't use it you know like sports and things like that so uh like quite, a regular work setting yeah so quite often he doesn't recommend the missionary for the for those organizations <laughs> because it's not what the organizations are actually looking for unless he finds someone that seems to have a a real talent for for that so now right. are you going to be taking spanish at the university yeah so that'll be my emphasis um beyond the international business side but um yeah, it definitely takes another extra effort if you want to be able to communicate about other, you know, fields of, uh, you know, study or, um, yeah, just in general to be able to communicate with people. So I, I definitely tried to make some sort of effort because I knew I was going to want to do that afterwards. <laughs> okay. Now, um, there within your area that you worked, it was it was not a wealthy area. It was a more low-income area, wasn't it? Yeah, I definitely wasn't in the like the the north side of Chicago and like Buffalo Grove where the yeah where the more wealthy people. Okay, live, yeah. and so the crime was higher there, I would assume. Definitely. Yeah. Did you have any harrowing experiences while you were there? Luckily, I I don't know. For me as as a missionary, I tried not to be one of those you know story seekers and you know put myself in bad situations. Okay. But, uh, I was uh, I was in the south side of Chicago, um, like that kind of general area for about five transfers. And uh, so I definitely saw some some things. Luckily, I never had to witness like anyone die or anything. I know some other missionaries did, but uh, usually try to stay in some safe spots. And the gangs do understand for the most part who the missionaries are and, and respect us quite a bit. So as long as we huh. stay out of their way, they generally won't mess with us too much. <laughs> oh, OK. And um, how were baptisms in that area? Um, it was actually interesting. The when I first came into the area, um, we well, I guess it's what the, the term is uh, whitewashing. Like when you bring uh, two new missionaries into the area rather than just the one. Um, you know, usually you'll have one missionary that's been there um, for some time, and then you know, bring in a new one. But me and my trainer were both new to the area, and so it was like starting from scratch. There was no one really being taught, and so. It was kind of difficult at first, but we were able to see see some success there, and and we actually had a baptism our first transfer, and um, then ended up seeing a couple more come out of that. And actually, by the end of my mission, the very last week of my mission, one of the families that I taught in that first area there on the south side of Chicago, they they got baptized that my last Saturday of the mission. So that was a nice blessing to to witness that. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Now, you were there during COVID. 
That's true. So how did you find these people to talk to? Well, it was really interesting because for the first like nine months or so of my mission, it was, you know, normal tracting stuff, what happened before. And then when it switched, it was, it was odd because our mission at the time, we were doing um, what we called a Facebook fast. So like we were legitimately not using Facebook for anything, you know, technology, we just wouldn't do that. It was almost like a sin to, you know, get on Facebook on the mission. And so we were fasting from that for a month. And, and then after that month was over, our mission president was like, you know, why stop now? Let's keep going. So we kept going. And then uh, almost at the end of that month, that was when, when, or I guess it was the middle of the month that COVID hit. And it was like, well, now everything is technology. <laughs> so it was a hard shift. But luckily, I, I definitely would attribute a lot of it to the the faith of our mission president and, and his guidance that that uh, he gave to us. He He really tried to follow the spirit. And so as we began to use technology, he tried to do everything and, uh, you know, as, as the spirit directed and, and it really helped us to have success. We, we saw so many miracles come from that. And so I think I would say, just to answer your question, most of the finding came through, uh, Facebook in the sense that, you know, like messaging people reaching out or posting in, in groups, you know, advertising service, things like that. And, you know, just doing more normal and natural kind of work rather than, you know, like jumping in people's faces kind of thing. Yes. Um, I'm thinking most missionaries, they have a companion that they just somehow don't get along with. And without mentioning <laughs> names or anything, did you have that experience? I was very, very blessed with the companions that I had. And I, there was only one time I think that, that it was uh, more difficult than usual. I, everyone else, I think it was really easy to get along with for the most part. I mean, everyone's always got their little things here and there, but I was yeah. very blessed to have some awesome companions. Wow. I, that surprises me. I was expecting to hear some <laughs> uh, some horror stories, but uh, you don't you don't have any to tell. My, my, I guess. I mean, my, yeah. My goodness. Now, going back to your high school time, um, why did you decide to go on a mission? Well, it was interesting. I I feel like because I grew up in the church, and my parents I think did a really great job at, at teaching the gospel and helping me understand that you know that was a do that was you know, a commandment to, to do that as, you know, a priesthood holder. And so I was always planning on going on a mission, um, you know, just out of duty. And, and I, I, like I, I had at least somewhat, I had a testimony and, um, I knew that the church was true. And, um, so I was always planning on it. And then when I received my patriarchal blessing, that was a special thing for me. And, and just, it, it spoke a lot about my mission. And so that, that was something that I, you know, could tell that, that the Lord needed me to do and wanted me to do. And, um, but I think there was an experience that I had uh, a little bit before I came out that um, really like just drove it home for me. And, and I just I knew I needed to serve. And um, my older brother, Chandler, he served in Tucson, Arizona. And um, one of the families that he taught, uh, one of the, the people, her parents were getting baptized. And so we were going down there to to surprise them and be at their baptism. And um, while we were staying at uh, a member's house that he had served around um they invited us to the missionaries invited us to go on splits with them back when splits was still uh, like a thing. Um, and we went, I, you know, kind of begrudgingly did it. And my brother was like, yeah, come on, it'll, it'll be good. I'm like, okay. So I went and, um, had a really awesome experience that we visited this lady that, uh, she had like seven children, uh, single mom and just life was really difficult. Like all of the kids had some physical or mental disability. And so it was just a really difficult time for, for her and as we sat and were talking with her, we were like sitting in her in her garage on the floor and um, the missionary was kind of starting to teach the the restoration to her and just kind of gauging what she knew. And, and he asked, you know, how, what she knew about Jesus Christ. And she 
she didn't. She was like, I don't, I don't really know who he is. You know, I've heard of him, but I don't really know. And that blew my mind. Just, you know, growing up in Utah, growing up in the church, I like, I knew that people weren't members, some people, but to not even know who Jesus Christ is, that just like blew my mind. And the missionary asked me, you know, what Jesus Christ is to me, you know, who he is to me and, and what the Book of Mormon has meant for me. And I just, I just couldn't handle it. It was like, well, you know, it's everything like hmm. without Jesus Christ, without the Book of Mormon, you know, like w- w- I wouldn't be anything what who I am today. And, and I, it was just the, the spirit spoke to me at that time. And I, and just told me like, this is the work of the Lord. I knew it was the work of the Lord and that I needed a certain mission. So I think that was what really drove it home for me. Okay. Wow. That was a, a great, great experience. Um, what, what's the biggest thing you feel that you learned from serving a mission? And, 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 so and actually things. something about, something about yourself. What did you learn about yourself? Uh, after you look back and serving two years as a missionary? I think I learned, hmm, there were a lot of things I, I, I was able to learn about myself, but I think one of the biggest things was that is if you will humble, humble yourself and put put your trust in the Lord and just be an instrument in his hands and, and just qualify to have the spirit that whatever he needs you to do is possible. Like so many times saw miracle after miracle from just being willing to to do what he asks and it it was very difficult sometimes but i think that was one of the biggest things i learned okay and then from a spiritual standpoint i guess that's kind of a spiritual standpoint you just mentioned but uh, something else uh, spiritually that you learned or maybe what you learned about the gospel i think one of the biggest things i also learned was that the power of scripture and and uh, the power of feasting on, on the word of God. And, um, I feel like I was able to come to know my heavenly father and, and, and Jesus Christ so much better personally through, uh, a deep understanding of the scriptures. And as I continued to do that and try to really understand what that, what the scriptures meant for me and, and, uh, you know, what the plan of salvation was, things like that, it, it really helped me to develop that relationship with God and, and help me grow my faith in Jesus Christ. Well, now you talk about feasting. How did you feast? What, what, what did that entail? Good question. I think one of the big things for me is that I, uh, I need to come in prepared, um, either with uh, you know a question in mind or something that I want to understand better. And so starting that off with a, with a sincere prayer and seeking to know, you know what the— what the spirit would have me learn and I'm um, really trying to listen, take time to listen and then asking good questions, trying to ask inspired questions as I study. Um, like w- as I would read things, as I would know, I notice, you know, doctrines and principles being taught in the scriptures. I would try and, you know, cultivate questions to ask myself and, you know, well, how, you know, what does this mean to me? What, it, what does he mean by this? Or, um, you know, like, for example, I guess one that comes to mind is like, uh, in Enos, you know, one of the first ones and talked about, you know, he says that my soul hungered and, you know, asking myself, you know, what does that mean for me? You know, does my soul hunger for something, you know, things like that. I think it really helps deepen the study of the gospel. Well, what did you find out about yourself with that first uh, verse in Enos? I think one of the things I learned from that specific passage was that there's, I feel like we all hunger for something that we're never truly like content, I guess not, maybe not never, but um, at least to the point that we want to be, I think we're always reaching for something, um, whatever that may be. But for me, I definitely hungered to, to understand who my savior was for me. And so 
um, as I sought that and, and was trying to deepen my understanding of uh, how I can develop my faith in Jesus Christ, it, it helped me have such a deeper understanding of that and, and kind of what that looks like, uh, you know, in my daily life, how that applies and how I can, you know, cultivate that each and every day. Okay. Now, as these uh, findings or revelation or feelings came about, did you record them? Yeah, it was actually something I was really bad at before the mission was, you know, having a journal, a study journal, just a journal in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely am grateful to my Heavenly Father for helping me understand the value of journaling. And uh, it, it it definitely, you know, took a lot of time and I wasn't the best, you know, all throughout my mission. But um, I I came to, to love it a lot more. And because of what I was able to record and write down, I, I have a lot of things that I'll, I'll, I'm going to be able to check treasure forever. And, you know, I'm sure my, my kids will be able to learn a lot from it as well. Yes. Well, now uh, you're, we've been released from your mission and of course a missionary life is very structured. <laughs> and, uh, for example, as a missionary, you would wake up in the morning. How much would you study the, the, the scriptures? How long? Uh, in, on the mission? Yeah. Oh, man. I would usually try. Like, I really enjoyed doing extra studies, like uh, either in the morning before we start the day or at night after we're done with the day. And so I would usually try and study about 30 minutes before we actually, you know, get have our planning and, and normal personal study. So I guess there's that 30 minutes, then the hour of personal study, the 30 minutes to an hour of companionship study, and then like an hour of language study. Um, so I'd say close to about four hours. Okay. Now that you've been released and you're in real life <laughs> and you're taking 19 units, how are you going to man- how are you going to manage studying the scriptures? Well, that's something that I've had to think about and, and plan out. I think that was something that we tried to plan out at least before leaving the mission was kind of what that would look like for me and each and every day is different obviously with you know schedules things that we have to do, but um, just I think always taking some sort of time before the day begins to get in the Book of Mormon and to, uh, to connect with the Spirit. I, I, I definitely have a testimony of, of uh, the teaching. I'm trying to remember exactly which one it was. I think it's Proverbs 8, 17 or something like that. And it says that uh, those that seek me early shall find me, uh, or uh, I love them that love me. Uh, and uh, yeah, those that seek me early shall find me. And I, I love that teaching because I've found as well that when I seek the Lord early, when I'm, I'm really seeking the feast, early in the morning, I think it shows the Lord where our priorities are and what we want to accomplish throughout the day. And then it, I think it sets up for the rest of the day, too, that you have the Spirit with you. If you've connected there, uh, you at least have some sort of purpose, I think. If you've received answers in the morning and received revelation in the morning, um, it just, I think, opens up the flow of revelation for the rest of the day. Well, now, you uh, flew back to Chicago, I think, within a week after you got back. Maybe it was two weeks, because yeah. there was yeah. a, a wedding back there, correct? Yeah, it was for my girlfriend's brother. His wedding was uh, two weeks after I got back. Okay. Well, tell me about this girlfriend now. She was a missionary, too? Yeah, she was. She she served in my mission. We served around each other for uh, for five transfers. Um, but yeah, we, we, just, we were just really good friends. We... Um, you know, obviously we're appropriate. We didn't like, I, I honestly didn't even develop feelings for her until, <laughs> until later long after she had left. But, uh, but yeah, we, we had a really good friendship. And then, uh, after I came home, yeah, we, we started dating. Okay. And, uh, so she was released before you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And about th- 10 months before. Okay. And so did she start writing to you or did you start writing to her? 
Well, um, because we, we were good friends, she told me that she was planning on writing to me, but it was like purely out of like friendship. I knew it wasn't anything like that. And so we just, we had, uh, you know, been writing each other, you know, every, every week, I, I believe every week. Um, and just, it just naturally kind of, you know, yeah. progressed and, yeah. and, uh, developed. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and she lives back in Chicago. Well, where, where does she live? Well, so, um, yeah, the reason that it was over in Chicago is because her uh, brother, her brother's fiance at the time, uh, her family lived in Milwaukee, and so that was the closest temple to them. But but she lives in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Um, that's where she grew up. So, but she's moving up to BYU Idaho, so she'll be a little bit closer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a little bit closer than, <laughs> than Oklahoma. Where, where in Oklahoma does, does she live? In Tulsa. Ah, that's where I have relatives. Actually, my brother, he's deceased now, but he. It was 20 or 30 years, I think 30 years on the Tulsa Police Department. Oh, wow. And so I'm familiar with the area, and I'd been back there as a, a boy several times. In fact, m most of my family uh, were the Okies that um, moved from, during the Depression, from Oklahoma, where the Dust Bowls and things were, to California. And that's wow. How, that's how I ended up in California. So um, <laughs> we were the... The, the people that uh, were, were looked down upon, you know, because they, they were called Okies, and they were, they, they even once they came to the wonderful state of California, they had trouble finding work because no, no one wanted to hire them. But um, so, uh, in fact, I remember, I still remember going back, I don't know, I might have been eight years old, and uh, one of my relatives actually had a dirt floor and an outhouse. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I, I still remember walking into that house and, there's dirt on the floor. Why is there dirt on the floor? <laughs> and, and of course, I thought they were really cool because he raised rabbits and sold them. And so the outhouse was the drawing place for the rabbit pelts. Oh, yes, of course. And so he, he, gave, he gave me one, and I just thought that was the coolest thing to have a, have a rabbit pelt. I don't know whatever happened to it. But anyway, that's my vision of going back to Oklahoma and things. And so, and so she's going to get up to Idaho. Yeah, mm -hmm. that that'll just be a few hours away then rather than being in Oklahoma. So right. so when is she flying up? So uh she's actually her parents are going to be bringing her and and they'll be uh, bringing her car as well. Um they'll be pulling it with the, with their truck um at the beginning of September cuz she'll move in um like first week of September. So okay. yeah, pretty soon here. Yeah, and what is she going to major in? I think she's majoring in uh, communications, right? Oh, okay. Just yeah. just just like your dad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess his was uh, broadcast journalism, so yeah, yeah very similar yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I've appreciated the time with you and um, how you're doing on the scriptures and everything. So I think I need to interview a year from now and just check on how you're doing with your scripture study. I would love that. <laughs> After you've been exposed to <laughs> yeah, keep me accountable carrying 19 units. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's not how much time we spend with the scriptures. It's that we love the Lord and we do it. And if we have 10 minutes, that's you know, then we do 10 minutes. And if we have a half hour, we that's do a right. half hour. So what's important is it's done daily. That's right. That, that, that's, that's actually what's, what's really important. Well, I don't know if you know or not, but I always end with uh, my guests bearing their testimony. So oh, I would love to. I would, will end with that. Go ahead. Oh man. I, I would love to share my testimony. I, I've come to, to really know that Jesus Christ is not only all of our Savior, but uh, that He is my personal Savior. That He 
he knows everything that I've gone through and, and everything that I'm going to face in this life and that I'm, I'm never alone in anything that I'm going through. Uh, I know that he's our perfect example and that because of him, we can overcome anything, any difficulty that we have in this life and, and that we can become clean. We can become sanctified. And that is one of the greatest blessings that we can have in this life. I, I, I know that the, the Holy Ghost is, you know, as we have the gift of the Holy Ghost, that it is our constant companion and that as we qualify to, to have that companionship, that we will not be led astray, that we can always stay close to our Heavenly Father, and that that as we grow closer to our Heavenly Father, that we will find no greater joy. I, I've i never felt such a great joy than, than, you know, on this path of discipleship. And I, I, I've come to also develop a testimony of fasting. I know that fasting brings power, that it brings miracles, and that as you fast with a purpose, that principle of sacrifice, it, it shows the Lord that that we truly desire these blessings for, you know, either for ourselves or for those that we're fasting for. And um, I, I have a testimony that families will be together forever, that uh, through the ordinances of the temple, the families can be together for the eternities. And that um, I know that the scriptures are true. I know that the Book of Mormon is the word of God and that we can learn more about Jesus Christ and his atonement and his life, his sacrifice for us um, in the Book of Mormon than, than in any other book. I I love how much it testifies of him. I also know that the Bible is true. I know that it is the word of God and that as we study the life of Jesus Christ, that we can come to know him more personally as well. And I share that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.